0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: We got another day of NBA action, and with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on Vandor. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel.
0: It goes down in the field. It goes down. Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks With Johnny podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another week of the show. Really appreciate it, guys. Uh, Last week was a lot of fun with Kevin Eastman. Hope you guys check that one out. Uh, Make sure you're sharing us everywhere on your social media. We'll reshare it if you do so. And, uh, of course, as always, give us a rating and review right here on whatever avenue you're listening to Drinks With Johnny we are on every platform now, thanks to uh, Sound Talent Media. So make sure you're listening to us anywhere that you get your podcasts. This week, I am joined by Jim Florentine from That Metal Show, the comedian, metalhead. He's got so much stuff going on, and we get into all of it. Uh, again, we've, we talked about at the beginning of it. Um, we've been in a lot of uh, same circles without actually having a conversation. Not like this one. We've uh, actually become friends. We've been texting each other since I recorded this episode with him. Really good dude. Uh, A lot of fun. A lot of fun just reminiscing and getting to know his metal background and talking music, talking comedy, and so, so much more. So uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you at the end as I always do. But without further ado, I bring you Jim Florentine what's up everybody i am johnny christ and this is drinks with johnny thank you so much for tuning in now i know you guys are here on youtube and that's great i love you guys that are here but you know if you need somewhere else to go and you have and you don't want to miss this next chat i'm about to have it's available as a podcast too. throw on your headphones go about your day you'll have a fucking fantastic time i've got a great guest on today Um, we've been in uh, contact a few times through little inner circles and stuff he's a he's a metalhead a podcaster a comedian uh DJ father did I miss anything Jim
1: um that's pretty much it I think yeah. yeah
0: Jim Florentine everybody is on the show how you doing today man
1: I'm good man thanks for having me on
0: yeah man where are you, where are you at in the world I'm, right now
1: I'm in Jersey New Jersey that's where I live yeah uh, you know things are slowly starting to open back up I'm doing some stand-up shows you can have like 30 people in the room 30 40. Twenty-five percent. So it's better than nothing.
0: Yeah. No. No. That, that's certainly better than nothing. I would, let's just go right into that then. Like, how's that? How's that been for you the last year? I mean, I know, you know, you, you're a stand-up comedian. That's kind of where you get your breaks. Like, what, what what have you been able to do? I I know you're doing Aussie's Boneyard every Thursday, um, and doing the podcasting. But I mean, bread and butter stand-up comedian. How's how's that been for you?
1: Yeah, it was tough, man. Because I was you know I was on the road for like 25 years straight you know, not every day, but pretty much, you know, you never get off really tour doing stand up. You just keep going and going. You know, I'm like a band where they got to take a break, do a new album and all that stuff. So then all of a sudden it just comes to a head. And the first month you're like, you know what, this is good. I just like doing nothing.
0: Yeah. And
1: then you're bored out of your mind. Like I always wondered how musicians could go on a tour for like a year, take like nine months off and then go record an album for four months and then wait another six months to go back on tour. Like I couldn't sit around for two years. And not do anything that would drive me nuts, but I had to go through it for the first time.
0: Yeah, man. I think a lot of people have have had to come come to grips with just being around themselves and not having so much to do. And I think I think there's a lot of a lot of things we can learn from this. Like like you said, things are starting to open back up. We got we're, we're moving on. Everything's going to be just fine for the most part. Sorry for everyone who lost a, a loved one. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but like yeah. moving on. Like everything is going to keep getting back to normal and. Uh, I think we can take a little bit of what we learned about ourselves from this last year, year and a half, whatever it's going to end up being.
1: It helped me reconnect with my family and friends and especially my kid. Not that we weren't close, but we spent so much time together. Yeah. he's 10 years old, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was a really good bonding experience if you got anything out of it. yeah. And dude, just I- reconnecting, hanging with the family and friends. You know, I live in the hometown pretty much where I grew up. Guys I've known since first grade We're getting together and stuff. And, you know, I finally had time to do it where I wasn't away.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't have the, the excuse every time you get a text from a buddy like I am in, at home. You're like, uh, I'm on the road, buddy. I'll see you when I get back. And then you, you, you fuck yeah. off for a while. It's,
1: <laughs> it's like, you know, it's his third wedding he wants me to go to on a Saturday. I'm like, I'm not I already been to the first two. You, know what I
0: mean? <laughs> you don't <laughs> like need I to say, go to the third one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh, I'm on the road. Sorry, man, I got to. Just show send
0: send, send me the registration. I'll, I'll figure it out. From there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I go. I'll go. How about I go to your fourth one? I'll skip this one. I'll go to the next one. <laughs> uh,
0: you mentioned your son. Uh, his name is Luke, correct? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned on your uh, your stand up, uh, I got the I got the house uh, at that time. He was like five, I believe, five or seven, yeah, or something five, like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end of this. There's like a musical number, the Evil Pumpkin, and and uh, that's that's starring Luke. I had a question though: Who did the music? Because obviously Luke is singing over the top of it. Do you play guitar and drums, or or did you? Have no, no, it was just my
1: a friend of mine who I went to high school with. He, my son was taking music lessons since he was five, so no, four actually. Shit. So and this guy that you know, guitar teacher, we'd go in there every Monday, and he would you know, and and do music, whether guitar. You know, keyboards, singing, making up lyrics and stuff. At like five, he's rhyming stuff. It was amazing. So uh, he came up, you know, they both came up. My my son's like, no, I want it heavy. Like, sort of like a Black Sabbath riff. Yeah. And, you know, my friend would just start jamming. No, no, heavier, a little, he- then a little slower. And then he just came up. He had a dream that his friends were getting chased by a pumpkin. You know, and uh, and they came up with the lyrics too Did he get into it? Did, like, no, into, a story about
0: did it. you let your son get into your chocolate shrooms? Because I like how the fuck did he did he figure this out at such an early age? Like that's that's mind boggling to me.
1: I don't know. Like you, the, the guy that was teaching him, is like, dude, this frigging kid is just unbelievable. like the rhymes and just, yeah, the whole story. The pumpkin was chasing me, with my friends through the woods. And, you know, I had a dream and stuff like that. I go, yeah, goes, you know, so evil pumpkin. I took him up with a lyric to tell, tell a story.
0: Yeah. Well, I love my son. He's four years old, but he ain't thinking that way yet. Now, now, now I'm like looking down at him because he's not as good as Luke. I'm well, like- you know what I did?
1: This is what I did. And, you know, as soon as every time we got in the car, he was in the back seat. I put metal on. Yeah. So he knows no other music. I started him with some simple stuff, you know, some catchy stuff like ACDC. OK, he could pick the riffs up TNT shit like that, you know. And, you know, and then I progressed to Black Sabbath and Metallica and all these other bands, Slipknot and. You know, so he, uh, you know, he got in and he had no choice but to like that music. So he was always listening to lyrics, learning the words to the songs. And, you know, he just started from there. And then he just loved taking the music lesson. He doesn't take them anymore. He's kind of out of it now. Okay. I don't want to push it on him too much.
0: No, no, no. You you definitely want to let them find music themselves, you know. Um, How did you find music? I mean, you're a big metalhead. You're that metal show famously from and everyone knows you as a big metalhead, comedian, all this stuff. Like. Where did you first discover music metal? What what were what were some of your first records?
1: It was the same thing with my 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 childhood. My I had two older brothers, so they were like five six years older than me. So I we drive around. They were seventeen. I was eleven, twelve, and they were just cranking Ted Nugent, AC/DC, Aerosmith, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath. It. I had no choice but to listen to it. I was just cool that I could be out of the house and drive around the car with my brothers, and they would just crank that stuff. So. My dad tried to turn me into, like, 50s music. When I drive around, my dad would put 50s. And I like the 50s stuff. There's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. You know, so I like that. But then when I, had my old, you know, then all of a sudden Ozzy Osbourne and Alice Cooper, you know, and the parents all hated that music. You know, it was the devil. My God, like, oh, this is what I like, you know, just to rebel.
0: Yeah. And
1: then I had no choice but to get into it. I went to my first concert at 12. I saw what Sabbath.
0: Oh, uh, Sabbath was your first concert?
1: Yeah, I saw ACDC with Bon Scott as a 12-year-old. Fuck,
0: I'm so jealous of that. That's yeah, my so parents
1: will let, let my brothers take me. Like, all right, just be you know, be, you know, take care. I'm like, okay. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to a concert, fucking and Bon Scott before he died, which was fucking insane. I saw Blizzard of Oz, you know, Ozzy with Randy Rhodes five times on that tour. Jesus,
0: that's so cool. Yeah,
1: my first know, concert was, was really also,
0: I was also 12 years old, but it was Metallica on the Load tour. Corn was uh, main support, and that was that was that was my first concert ever
1: that's a great show Korn yeah and metallica it was They're it was amazing awesome. here
0: at the uh uh what why am i drawing a blank what's the one great western
1: Forum. the forum You've oh the, the la forum. forum yeah 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 that's yeah. a great place to see a show
0: yeah it's it's fantastic especially since they've redone it have you been there since they redid it
1: no i haven't been since they've redone it. i've I've seen who i see i've seen the foo fighters there i saw ecdc there the black ice tour whenever i go to la there's always a concert in town yeah so i go see them and stuff but um no, and it's just, you know, my kid's still into the metal and stuff, but he's all in the sports now. He's 10 years old, so he's hanging out with his friends. But he still knows a good song. He still knows it, you know, and he knows what's bad. Like, he hears some, you know, like, pop stuff. He's like, oh, this is terrible. I'm like, good, good. So
0: all good. pop it's- stuff is terrible? So that's what, like, how how metal are you? Like, you're, are you, like, only metal? You, you you mentioned 50s, but is there any other genre where everyone's- I like lot,
1: classic rock. I like some classic rock, too. Okay. I, you know, I never really liked it, but then as you get older, you kind of, you know, you listen to all those old like Bob Seger records, yeah. you know, Warren Zevon and shit like that. It's like, there's some good stuff, you know, the old stone stuff. I knew some of it, but you, when you dig deep, like there was some great shit there too. So I started getting into, you know, some, old, some more of the classic rock shit too. So, uh, yeah. but I just like rock, hard rock. I don't like death metal. I, I kind of cut it off. Like Slipknot is pretty much the heaviest. Yeah. Slipknot, Hatebreed, breed that kind of stuff. I kind of got a, I need a little, some, some melody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: no, no, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, e- each their own and everything, you know, as I stated at the beginning, we've been in several inner circles together, but never actually had a chance to uh, chat directly with you. I know uh, uh, shadows was on that metal show yeah, uh, towards the end there. And uh, through those things, like everyone considers Avenged Sevenfold like this metal band and we love metal. So we'll just kind of take it, but we're really not a metal band like anything like you met matt you know you've seen us around backstage like the revolver awards and stuff we're the furthest from a metal band when you actually get to know us and it's it's always funny to me like have you ever have, have you had that experience with any other acts like any other metal guys and like when you just talk to them they're completely not metal that's just the music that they make
1: um i don't know probably not So we're one of you know like Ozzy's not a metal guy at all.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Ozzy Ozzy loves the Beatles. You know that's his band. He goes, I don't even listen to heavy metal. I don't even know these bands and all that stuff. But other than that, no. I mean, I've seen you guys a bunch of times. I think the last couple times there was some kind of cancellation or something. I was going to go see you guys in Pennsylvania or something. Some shit going on, but you guys are fucking great. Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate you. My nephew's a huge fan of the band, so um, he turned me on to you guys. And that's how I, I started, you know, getting in VH1's ear and Eddie Trunk's ear. I'm like, Ben Sevenfold, you got to listen to these guys, man. They're fucking big. you oh, know. how oh, I like thank
0: that, you man. for that. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I started, like, you know, getting it in there. I'm like, these guys, I'm telling you, man, we got to get some new blood. You know, VH1 always wanted us to, you know, it was great. They wanted us to have the old guys in, but we got to get some new blood in, too. Because a lot of people that like, you know, that like Sabbath, like you guys, too. And I'm like, there's a whole other market out. Because all these guys got kids. Yeah. And all their kids are into it. You know, my, my brother... Who his son, he got him into events. Then he got me into it, my nephew. So, you know, all these... So my brother goes to all the shows, too. The younger bands with his kid. So, uh, no, it was great, though. But, yeah, I I think the couple of times you guys are doing something down at Philly for the WMMR, shit like that. But, no, every time i have seen you, the the crowd, when I saw the crowd, like, the kids go fucking nuts when you guys were on stage. I'm like, holy shit. Like, (laughs) it was a whole other world to me. You know, I'm used to seeing, like, priests and... You know Sabbath when they come around, and Ozzy, and then I'm I'm like, damn, this is you know, it reminded me of like when I first saw Slipknot, like the, the craziness. Yeah,
0: of no, the band. No, no. we got we got we got rabid fan base that we've grown. Up, I mean, they've they've grown up with us, which is the really cool thing. And to your point of the younger bands, quote unquote, you know, I feel I feel a little older these days, but uh, like the younger yeah. bands and stuff, like th- there is that gap. And I was talking to Jamie Josta about that on his podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying like, there's got to be a way. Oh. To introduce, like there's still metalheads out there like that have for whatever reason stopped listening to the new stuff and don't know that the new stuff is actually good, whatever you consider new stuff. And there's got to be a way to introduce and the younger kids to the older crowd and the older crowd to the younger kids. There's got to be a way to gap this because it feels like there's like this big gap in between in the metal world right now. Uh, Do you have any ideas? Because we could maybe take that to the bank. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I think the, the, the problem is the young kids need to get back in the metal
0: because yeah. they're the ones who
1: are going to fuel it. You know, you have your little minor percentage that do and can, you guys could sell a lot of tickets, but you need the more mainstream.
0: Metal hasn't been mainstream in so long. It's, it's kind of crazy. No, I know.
1: Right? So you, need, you really need to, like, it needs to come back around again where 20-year-olds, hey, 17-year-olds think it's cool. Yeah. You know, and it's not just, you know, rap and hip hop and all that and that shit, you know, in the charts and stuff. And all of a sudden, some bands got break through. I thought that was going to be Greta Van Fleet.
0: Yeah, they, a little- they, they, they were they were they were kicking hot, man.
1: I mean, they're still you know, they still stay sell out. They're not yeah. doing arenas, but they do like six, seven thousand seats. They sell out. But I thought that would bring maybe bridge and bring the young crowd in. But not so. Necessarily, it's Well, all maybe like the mid-
0: sales were just kind of taken out of, out of that with the pandemic. I mean, they're, I mean they i mean—they were in the thick of it, like, right when that shit went down. You know I mean? Maybe yeah. that kind of t- took a little wind out of the sales, as they say.
1: I just don't know. Like, you know, it, 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 with the award shows, there's never any rock bands on there. No. You know I mean. what I mean? Anything MTV doesn't, you know, even acknowledge rock and stuff like that. So the young kids are just here just, you know, pop and, you know, friggin' Cardi B and that shit and Drake. And like, okay, I guess this is what I like. They don't really have a, I don't, I don't feel they have a passion for music like we did. Yeah. Growing
0: up. Yeah. I mean, I you, you kind of had to go out and find the stuff and now it's just kind of force fed to you now, I guess is the difference. I mean, I had to go out and find the bands that I, that I love, you know, I have two older brothers as well. So I was introduced to right. a lot of music, but some of the music I found on my own, I had to literally go down to the record store or whatever, or CD store, whatever it was at the time, throw on the headphones and listen to all the different samples that like Goody music and shit.
1: Yeah. There's, you know, they, um, there's no rebellion. The, the music isn't rebellious, mm-hmm. you know. The, 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 the music that's coming out. So, you know, that's what we always latched on. Like, if your parents hated it, or the teachers, or the adults hated, it, like, okay, good. Then I'm going to like it.
0: Yeah, and I think the times have obviously it has a lot to do with the times changing. And I'm, you know, the the rebellious factor is kind of evident in your stand up comedy. I'm kind of curious, as you know, as the, the landscape of of society continues to change and gets more PC. Uh, I've seen your stand up. I know I know your comedy. It is not PC at all, especially for this day and age. So I, I mean, how do you, how do you adjust to that or do you not or you just say fuck it. This is what this is this is what I think is fucking funny.
1: Yeah, I pretty much just say fuck it. This is what I think is funny. Like I'm at the I know I'm not going to get a Netflix special. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So as long as you put that out, I'm not going to be on jimmy fallon doing stand-up you know i could do a squeaky clean set if i wanted to so if you push all that, just go hey i'm just gonna play to my audience yeah it's almost a punk rock band i'm just gonna build it like that and just go do small theaters and just and just play to them it's like why i'm not gonna try to appeal everybody because you know even back 20 years ago if you tried to appeal everybody you were still gonna be like middle of the road now if you try to appeal anybody what are you gonna say you can't say anything. So you you literally can't
0: people. say anything at this point. I think I picked the wrong time to be a podcaster because I might like, have to bite my tongue all the time. It's crazy. I know.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I'll tell you one thing, though, and I, I've been asking like the last three years since it's really started, like this PC shit's completely bad. I always ask the club owners around the country when I go there, I go, more people walking out complaining about the comedy show? They go, no. They go, it's actually less. They goes because people actually do research now. They're not just going to come and go see some comic. Which say you yeah. So anyone that's super uptight isn't going to be a comedy club anyway. So we, I, I thought, you know, so no one's really walking out in droves because you do an edgy joke, yeah. You know, it's great. Did you so did I, you have a lot
0: of that though prior to like, what's like some of the edgier joke? What's like the most edgy joke that you've said and like just watch people walk out uh, to your point? Well, about, I remember I
1: was doing some. I did a Bill Cosby reference <laughs> about putting something in someone's drink, and the woman said I was talking about rape on stage. I'm like. All right, I go. Yeah, something about I don't know what the joke was. Something about you know Albert Cosby or something like that. And she's you know she's complaining to the owner he was making rape jokes. I'm like, okay, if that's what you're going to get out of it, then then you, you know, listen. but you really you, you don't <laughs> I don't know I, I you know I've had a few people here and there, but you don't really people. I think they know to stay away.
0: Yeah, well, that would make sense. No, I mean, friendly. I want to go to a comedy club and expect to you know I think that's part of comedy is is putting a nice filter over bad shit. You know, like this is, this is really bad. Uh, we can either just sit there and, and put it in this dark corner or we can talk about it and maybe put a a nice filter over it for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think that the crowds have actually gotten better over the last couple of years because they really (laughs) want to be entertained. They know what they're going in for to like, look, I'm so sick of, living in this PC world, my job, I got to be careful. I got to be careful what, if I'm a teacher, I can't post a picture of me in a bikini on the beach with my girlfriends. You know, girl, teachers get fired over that shit. So really? they when they come to a comedy club, they're like, good, I just want a couple of drinks and hear some dirty jokes and edgy jokes. It's dark in here. I can't get in trouble and I just need yeah. to laugh, which is great for us.
0: Yeah, no, it's maybe that's the good thing about all this shit is that they're there will be a place still for you to go out and, and enjoy yourself and enjoy somebody else's comedy ab- about it. I bring up the filter though because uh, a part of, of I got the house special, which is on Prime Video, by the way. You mentioned not on Netflix, but you are on Prime Video because I, I watched. Yeah, that on yeah Prime I got a couple. Video. I got
1: like two or three, three up there.
0: Yeah, which is fantastic, and I absolutely loved it. Before I get into what I was about to say, I I have to I have to note there was in the front row there there was a Metallica shirt. But then there was right next to it, an Avenged Sevenfold shirt in this special that, that, that is <laughs> I saw there. I thought that yeah. was kind of cool.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. They, all the metalheads come out and they always sit right in the front. Like I always know when I got three dudes and, you know, Iron Maiden shirts, I'm like, okay, this is, you
0: know. Yeah, this is going to be a good crowd, which
1: is, which is great. They're You know, they're because they're loyal fans too. If they're loyal about that music, they're going to be loyal you know, fan forever. So yeah. Yeah. I remember the event sevenfold shirt in the front. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was, I, I was watching back at it, uh, you know, in preparation for this chat and I was like, Oh shit, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but, uh, um, anyways on that, you're kind of, uh, making light of your divorce a few years ago. Um, and you get into a bunch of these stories. And one of the times you say that like Luke was the one that kind of broke the news. Like I, I, I was more curious, like Uh, you may have answered this a few times or whatever, but like, I'm more curious after watching that. How do you mean he broke the news to you? Was he like, Oh, uncle so-and-so was over the other day or what the fuck? What, 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 what was it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty much like, you know, she's my, you know, like, Oh yeah. I was out to lunch with my girlfriend and her kid and my, and you know, our son and we had a great time. And I was, I was, I was just a little fishy about it. And I'm like, and I just went to my kid. He was like four and a half at the time. I'm like, who was at lunch? Dude? And, uh, this guy, I'm like, what guy? I, I some guy. He was there too. Oh yeah. You met him. Oh yeah. I met him a few times. Yeah. I went to the mall with them. I'm like, oh, hmm. kids know, no, man.
0: Oh Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. And they don't have, you know, they don't have to like, oh, I'm going to hide this. He didn't know any better, you know, and that's, I just felt up and I said, let me go to him because he was there. And that, yeah, I said he broke the case, which he did.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Now, as soon as we're done with this chat, I'm going to go talk to my son and be like, is there any other men that have been around? Like, what's going on, bro? <laughs>
1: when they say, when they say the same thing, like three times in a row, that means like they're filling in time. Like it's a lie. And they're just kind of like, when, when you say it three times in a row, who, who was at that lunch? you get a little suspicious. Like I didn't ask who was there. Yeah. You just volunteer this information. Wow.
0: So towards the end though, you, you did mention that, um, uh, you got, you and your wife are friends now because you know, she's, you know, she's the, she's the mother of your child and you need her for that and everything. How is that? I mean, and of course this is a few years removed from that special. Um, how are things now?
1: Yeah, everything's good. You know, it's, uh, you know, you know, you just, you know, you get a little bumps here and there, but it's good. But I know, like, you know, I always knew as a band, like, of a you know, someone went through a divorce or some something tragic in their life or something like that. That's always a great album to write, you know, the pain in there or whatever you're going through. Yeah, you know, use,
0: so use knew, it like, as a muse uh,
1: in a way. Yeah, yeah I knew, like, I, when I was a kid, my, bro- my older brother took me to see Richard Pryor live at the Sunset Strip in a movie theater. And I was fascinated how he was saying like he burned himself and he almost died. And I'm like, holy shit, almost in tears. And then he's making you laugh thirty seconds later. Bach, man. I always remember that as a kid. I didn't necessarily want to be a comic at that time, but I just remember that. And I'm like, I want to do this thing while it's fresh, while it's still, you know, because now if I do the material, it's not going to work because I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't. I'm right? like, ah, eh, it's just I'm just mailing it in. But it was, there was yeah. some passion behind that material.
0: Yeah, and when
1: I, I first I doing it, man, was it angry. Like the first, like I was working that out, you know, in the clubs. Oh, it's vicious because it just happened.
0: How many, how many times did you work through that material before you, before you made that special?
1: Probably about a year, about a year working right. the material, Locked you know, uh, doing the sets here and there. But we, it was, I mean, it was vicious in the beginning. Do you
0: think that's, I've talked to a few different comedians about that. I'm, I don't know that I've asked this question of them. Do you think that it's therapeutic for you? To go to go through this and then and work that out into your set, do you think that that helps you out in any way, or do you think it's just this is just I'm gonna live my life, so this is what I got to talk about?
1: No, I think it did. It helped me out just talking about it every night because I was just you know my friends were sick of be talking about it, yeah. so it's good to go on stage and talk about it. And I was I felt real real passion behind it, you know. So you know sometimes you you know when you're playing a song on stage, you guys don't really like playing. Like all right, uh, this one okay. But then you got a new one, you're like, oh fuck, yeah, I love playing this one live. And look at the crowd reacted to it. It's the same thing with that, with that material that I was doing. But then when I I felt like I was I was moving on from the material, I'm like, I gotta record this thing now. Yeah. Because if I wait six more months, it's just not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel it anymore. Yeah. It's gonna be on. And I don't even I don't even remember half of those jokes. Like I wouldn't even bring them up now because they don't really even make sense anymore.
0: Yeah so going back to you you mentioned Richard Pryor and uh I'm, be, I'm a big fan of Richard Pryor as well um you said that at the time when you were at that uh that drive-in and, and saw him on Sunset Strip and everything what and it didn't click to you at that time that you wanted to be a comedian when did it click for you and what was the inspiration I mean you mentioned Richard Pryor what are some other people and even that I know that the community of, of comedians really kind of help each other out at a certain point. And, you know, you're at the comedy clubs and doing stuff and everyone's kind of help, not necessarily helping, but kind of in the community together. Who were some of the mentors early on for you?
1: Well, you know, Richard Pryor, definitely. And then Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, I love yeah. the, the set up punchline that, you know, the one liners. Cause I saw, I saw like David Lee Roth as a kid, just being funny in interviews and just being stupid and stuff like just that. Just being and the diamond was- one. <laughs> I mean, exactly He was like a fucking you know he was like a such a character you know and then I would go see Twisted Sister when I was a kid and D. Snyder, like in the clubs before they made a big they would do like four sets a night so he'd be riffing for like 20 minutes on stage just killing time and yeah. he was really funny I've seen you know, I was like a 15 year old kid sneaking in and I'm shit I'm like man I gotta get up on stage somehow or do it I don't want a nine-to-five job I started DJing on the radio I went to college for communications <laughs> did some morning shows. And then I started my own DJ business. I was playing rock clubs. And then once I got on a morning show doing, I was like 22 years old doing a local morning show, but it was like shitty, you know, like journey and Elton John music. I didn't want to play it. I wanted to play metal. And uh, I like, just wait, wait, wait.
0: I just had to say city shitty Elton John music. <laughs> i a big Elton
1: John yeah, at that time that's a, that's
0: a, that's and that. Journey.
1: Yeah, it's just like I, I respect the music now, but not as a twenty year old. Yeah, no, no I, I get I, that. Let me have a shift at night where I could play whatever music I wanted after six o'clock. Okay. So from six to nine, I had a metal show. I could bring my own albums in and play whatever the fuck what what I wanted. It was amazing. And then they go, I'm on the mornings, you'll get a good voice and all this stuff. And then I had to play the regular stuff they play during the day. And I would crack jokes in between. And like, you can't, don't make jokes. Just tell them you, the time and the weather and move on. I'm like, well, what am I doing? You know what I mean? doesn't and then, sound fun. <laughs> it doesn't sound fun. And then when I, saw, that's when Kinnison, and I started seeing Kinnison with his yeah, band, Kinnison, Sam. Yeah. And then Dice comes out with a leather jacket on telling the dirty jokes. I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. what I want to do.
0: Oh, that's, that's incredible. Have you have you um, shared the stage with Dice or, or Kinnison or anything? like yeah, that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I never met Kinnison. You know, he passed away, what, like 93 or 94 or something like that. But uh, D- I'm meeting him years later and I told him why he's the reason I got on stage and all that. And yeah. I wound to open him for him. He was at my wedding. I'm still good friends with him.
0: Oh, that's which is awesome. great. But
1: I when I saw it, it still took me like a year to get the balls to get up on stage. Cause I still had stage fright. You know what I mean? I wasn't good at public speaking. I was shy. You know, I wrote. Yeah, a I guess of-
0: it's a little different when you're in a studio by yourself talking into a microphone than when you're right. like out in front of some people.
1: You are, you're in a club, a DJ in a club, you're in a booth, nobody gives a shit. You know, you just play the music, but yeah. So, but once I went up there once, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was terrible, but I got I remember getting one laugh. Some guy heckled me or said something. I said something back, and the crowd laughed. And I, that jolt I felt was it was amazing. Well, you just like, you just
0: well, you just went full uh, full Jersey on it, right? I mean, like someone heckles you, you're like, oh, I got this. I'm from Jersey.
1: I yeah, this. yeah, exactly. like, yeah. I'm used to it. Somebody says like so you walk in a shirt, you walk in a room with a bad shirt on, you're getting a beat down for like thirty minutes.
0: <laughs> you are. Uh, we trust me. I know. I've toured through. I, I think. I think Jersey and Philly both like early on were some of our favorite and hated shows of all time because we'd get up and we'd be heckled. And, and you know, we're, you know, we're not all in front of microphones, we're not comedians and everything. So you can't just fire back. But so there's times when they heckle you and you just and if, if they hit you really good, you just kind of hang your head and go, "God damn it, that was a good one."
1: Right. <laughs> so like in between a song, you can hear people yelling from the crowd.
0: Exactly. It was always in and Jersey you know, and Philly. Jersey and Philly yeah. got us good every fucking time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, you know, growing up there, so I, I came back with whatever it was. And that's what I knew. I'm like, this is what I want to do.
0: That's what you want to do. That was the rush that you got. But um, from DJing I, and being a, comedic, uh, a comedian, rather, I remember seeing you on Howard Stern. And I say see you because on uh, the E channel that's huge now, I had it on basic cable years ago when I was like 12 years old. And late night, it was actually, you know, a show of Howard Stern on. And you'd come on there every once in a while. How did, how did that whole thing meet? And, uh, you know, are you still friends with Howard these days? Like, what, what's going on?
1: That was, uh, that was the break I needed. I was probably doing comedy eight years. You know, just doing clubs here and there, trying to make a name for myself. Nothing really going on, you know. And then I got a big break to go on there. Um, I, put, I put a prank call CD out of, like, messing with telemarketers. And I gave it to the producer, Gary, the producer at the show. And he goes, All right, if it's funny, I'll uh, play it. I'm like, Yeah, right. Okay. He ain't going to play it. And the next day, he started playing the calls on the air. He's like, Who is this guy? We got to have him in. Man, he's funny. And then, like, three months later, I'm sitting in on the show. And then I become a regular and start, you know, selling out clubs before I was, you know, drawing nobody, basically, you know, just struggling as a feature act. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's giving me plugs and I'm playing wherever. He was so big at the time. There was like 20 million people listening to him. And he took a liking to me, you know, so it was amazing.
0: No, I'm, I'm sure that was like, I mean... That's and a I was a huge fan just growing
1: up listening to him. I was working totally. construction sites. We'd have the radio on, and I'd tell everybody on the site, you cannot put any power source on while he's on the air. Wait till the commercial. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. want to miss any of the show. So just to be in there, <laughs> like, right. he was. You know, 'Cause it was so crazy. I mean at twelve watching that on eight, you were like, This is like soft porn, right? Oh, it
0: totally was. Like everyone's was well, there was times there was times where literal porn stars would come on. I didn't know who they were at the time. I mean right. this is before this was before the internet porn is as big as it is now. Let's put it yeah. that way. Like I mean I had to like sit there and watch something download for an entire day for five minutes of porn. Like this was this was like not yeah. not 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 just a, like a regular girl
1: coming in and taking her top off. Yeah, like, and I had no
0: idea what it was, and like then you find out later it's Jenna Jameson. I was like, what? Yeah, what I, know. <laughs> I know. I know,
1: crazy. I was in the studio one time when Jenna Jameson wrote the Sibian.
0: Oh, you were there?
1: Yeah, remember they had that machine? The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in studio. It was like the. It was like the two weeks and then a serious. So, you, so in
0: on. your stand you you mentioned that you kept uh, your 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 dick in your pants the entire time you you were wed. Were you married at this time when Jenna Jameson came in?
1: Uh no, I had a girlfriend, but no, she wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> no, yeah, it was, no, I was fucking. You know, too, uh, no, I, I wish it would have been great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how close in proximity to this this ride were you?
1: Twenty feet. Nice. And I was standing too, because I wanted to get a good view. It was unbelievable. We were all just like, groups, just standing. i like, oh my god, just watching
0: her. You know, it's it's so funny because watching back some of that stuff or listening back to some of that stuff, you can hear you as a regular and some of the other regulars when that shit goes down, everyone's losing their mind. And Howard just ha- has a way of keeping his cool about it. And I was wondering, is, does he freak out like after he's after he hits stop, or is he is he just like he's like. Nah, he's just kind of
1: like hey man this is great he's just playing to the audience he's like that, yeah. that was great i know i know those dudes drive around in their cars and this is going to be great on the e show on tv it's a great yeah. visual you know so yeah he wasn't like that at all like just real quiet off the air and just go yeah that was a good segment you know
0: That's amazing That's a, that, that's a, i mean that's that's the true professional i mean now with this Sirius SM, i mean he's got two channels now i believe is, is 100 yeah, and 101 a
1: long time yeah
0: Yeah and you're on you're on but, Aussie's Boneyard and yep. every Thursday. So I had to ask a question. You, you go back and you, you know, in this week of history, this album came out. You do a lot of that. Uh, so I yeah. got to ask you, I mean, we're recording. Um, it won't be out for a little while, but we're recording on Friday, the 5th of March. Off the top of your head, what what album came out this week?
1: Um, Master of Puppets came out this week. Did it? March 3rd, 1986.
0: Well, that's a fucking great one. That's a great one to throw out of the hat, right there. Yeah,
1: yeah, that one came out, and the one I was, the ones I was playing. I think they came out last week. Was Motorhead uh, 1916? Nice. Alice Cooper, Billion Dollar Babies. Um, Judas Priest, Point of Entry. And that that the- record
0: was always funny. Like, uh, you know, the, a lot of the metalheads and everybody like talks about that record. It's a great record, but the cover before he outed himself. There's the cover of this point of entry record, and you know, hindsight, I look at it and go, duh, like <laughs> the cover of that record and, what it, and the title of it, point of entry. <laughs> yeah, there, were two, there was actually two
1: covers. There yes. was a, a European cover which was different than the American one with the, the oh, paper. was
0: there? Okay, yeah, there
1: was two, but yeah, no, there was a lot of stuff looking back. Alfred, you know, eat me alive and stuff like that. Yeah. Those,
0: yeah i fucking love that i just love that i love the hindsight because like at the time i mean especially early on like everyone a lot of people in the metal community were so anti-gay and everything like that it's just like you look back at it you're like some of your heroes buddy you know like just (laughs) let it
1: go Yeah, you know i'll tell you man well you know when Halford came out everyone you know like the whole general public all the metalheads are gonna hate him because he's gay now and nobody cared yeah one person that i know that's a metalhead cared
0: that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't part of that generation. I mean, no one cares now. But like, I wasn't. Yeah, part no, of nobody. Nobody.
1: The old metalheads didn't care. Now one. I'm glad to hear that. to see Halford. They didn't care. Yeah, yeah. and great. I knew that about. Like, like, all right, that's fine.
0: Still a great singer. It <laughs> Doesn't change uh, that shit.
1: It's <laughs> a great dude too. Yeah. And my, I was on a Eddie Trunk's show on his radio show when my wife at the time was pregnant with my son, and Halford was the guest, and he rubbed the belly. He goes, this kid's gonna be a metal baby rub their belly and then loved. evil
0: pumpkin came out and he was fucking know, right at five. <laughs> that's fucking rad dude so you you've talked to like everybody like a bunch of fucking i mean you guys have had everybody in the, in the sun on that metal show ozzy's boneyard who has been a, a moment that you maybe kind of pinched yourself when you were talking to him and were like kind of like oh fuck like I remember when I went to the store and bought this vinyl and fucking now I'm sitting here having a conversation with the dude.
1: There was so many of them. I mean, every, every season was somebody different. I think like maybe season one, we had uh, Angus and uh, Brian Johnson on together. Oh, that's right. Um, you know, then we had Steve Harris from Maiden.
0: Steve's such a good dude. I love that dude. Phenomenal. Such a nice guy.
1: Great guy. Uh, you know, we had Bill Ward on from Sabbath, Giza Butler, Tony Iommi. You know, Sabbath's my favorite all-time band. You know and then we have Tom Morello from Rage. I'm a huge Rage fan. Great dude. Yeah. You know, um, it just every every season was somebody different. You know, I grew up a huge Ted Nugent fan. I don't care what he says. I don't want to listen to people's politics whether it's Tom Morello and stuff like that. I never cared about that stuff. Like if the music's good and just being, Ted coming on the show and going up there and playing guitar and and just being funny and stuff like that was great. So, yeah. You know, so it's just uh, every every year, every season, I'm like you gotta be kidding me. There's Paul Rogers from Bad Company, a legend. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Fucking I mean, you guys like I said, you guys have had fucking everybody. It, and it, then Corey really Taylor
1: from Slipknot, one of the nicest guys in Such, the business. Yeah,
0: he's a great dude. Like we we've done great we've dude. done a lot of toys together with Stones we, we, we did Stone Sour and Slipknot stuff together. It's actually yeah. an ongoing joke because we kind of for a while there, it'll be different now, but for a while there, we were releasing albums at different times, and we'd have, like, 80% of the crew was, like, the same crew that came over, like, when they'd go to write a new record and got off the road, that's when we would be going out, and we'd, like, have, like, 80% of the same crew and stuff. It just oh, really? Just funny. It's, re- it's pretty funny. It's just, like, a... And it took us a while to realize it, and we are like, I was talking to the crew members, and they're, like, oh, yeah, when we were out with uh, Slipknot, I was, like, oh, you were out with Slipknot too? Wait, you were, slip, not you were out with Slipknot too. You were oh shit. We just have like the same fucking crew out here. <laughs> it was pretty wild, man. Um Speaking on that metal show, though, how, how many years has it been off the air now?
1: 2015. So we're going on like six years now.
0: Yeah. So in the and, and you're you're no stranger to the podcasting business. You've been doing it for 11 years. You got your podcast. Uh, uh Everybody is awful. Is out. Is everyone can listen to that right now? It's streaming everywhere. Have you talked to Eddie and the other guys? Is there a possibility? And probably someone else has asked this question, but do you ever think you could do like that metal show as a podcast and just like keep bringing people back on and doing that kind of thing?
1: We could do it. I mean, Eddie does a bunch of shows. He's got a show on uh, Sirius on volume, that volume channel, whatever he does Mm it Monday through Friday. He's got another show. He's got a ton of stuff going on. What we'd really like to do if we're going to do it right and bring it back the way... We originally did. We had, you know, there was some definitely some feelers out there before the coronavirus hit. We had some momentum where people were interested in bringing it back. But then, you know, everything shut down and who knows what's going to happen when, you know, when things open back up and the people are still interested. But there was definitely some talk of it coming back. But we really want to be in a studio pretty much like the same way we did it. Yeah. I don't know if it was in a podcast form. I don't know. You know, yeah. I think it looks more, you know, and it will be easy to shoot. It's not going to cost a ton of money either we just find a studio we go you know come to LA for a couple of weeks you know that's what we most of the time we we came out to LA for like two weeks all the all the guys live out there and we you know they're right down the street so it was easy to book the show and stuff so
0: well a lot of the guys and a lot of comedians have uh started moving to these places that are starting to open up more like Texas and and everything have you have you thought about leaving jersey so that you can go touring around and or is it
1: no nah, cuz i could still you know jersey's open a little and the states around and florida's you know I'm doing I'm starting a tour down in Florida, starting in April and stuff, but uh now I'm pretty much here. You know, Jersey's where I grew up and stuff. So it's not as bad as LA. Yeah. Where not you know, the, the clubs have been open twenty five percent since like late August.
0: Have you been so to the com- I'm sure you have. How many times have you done the comedy store?
1: Um, you know, when I would come to LA I'd go up and do it. Pro- I probably did it twenty times.
0: I, I mean, it seems like it, it's doing okay now, but I, there was like a moment where everyone was worried that it was going to shut down here in LA because it, oh, yeah. it, it was going to be for so long. I mean, do you have fond memories? And like, would that, I mean, you're from Jersey, I get it. But like, uh, for West Coast comedians, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a staple, you know? So, I mean, did you, did you hear any of this noise that was going on about six, seven months ago? And, and how did it make you feel if you did?
1: What, about it closing?
0: Yeah, the potential. It's it's going to well, be fine now, obviously, but like it was. Well, you know, it, it it had a
1: moment. Like I don't know what years it was. Maybe probably some. Maybe, if I'm, I might be off a little. Like 2007 to like 2011, mm-hmm. where it was dead. I remember going to see Dice there when I come to town, and he playing. There'd be like six people in the crowd. Like he wasn't advertised ahead, but it, there'd be nobody in the place. It was mm-hmm. dead, and it did for a long time. And then Joe Rogan started coming back to the comedy store, and the thing came. Lot. And then every, every time I was out there for the last five years, every room was sold out every night, three different rooms, yeah. places stayed, doing two shows a night. It was crazy. And then, you know, this the coronavirus hit and it hasn't been open yet since last March. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, LA seems like it's, it's even further behind than where other people are with opening and stuff. You know, they don't really have the, sp- the space to do it outside. Yeah, they they definitely don't. They've got that little parking lot, so they can't even do outside shows. So, I don't know. I'm hoping, you know.
0: Well, Tony, a good friend of the show, Tony Hinchcliffe, was doing some outdoor shows because he does, like, a a regular uh, stay, like, every Monday night there. Yeah. And he was saying he was, like, the the parking lot's open. He was, like, anytime you want to come down. And you know, when I talked to him, it was like in the thick of stuff and I was like, I'm not leaving the house, but I appreciate the offer.
1: <laughs> but now Tony now Tony moved to Austin, so he's doing
0: exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's that he, that's what that would that that's what begged the question is like have you considered that? Because a lot of the comedians are moving to, as I said, Texas, Florida, Mississippi, all these places that just released like a complete no mask clause. So I mean and wow. how do you feel about that, by the way? If if you don't Well, I'm to- lucky
1: that I'm lucky that I'm not an act where I, where I could sell five thousand tickets in a theater. You know, so me playing in front of 40 people, like it's not, it's not that bad. Not that I always play in front of 40, but I, I'm not, you know, it's not killing me. Like, you know, these headline bands that sell 17,000 tickets, like, you know, you, I'm sure you played that place, uh, PNC Art Center in Jersey. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I know PNC very well.
1: So I live 20 minutes from there. I go to shows there oh, all the awesome. time. My friend said that Megadeth and of God are playing there this summer and the cheapest ticket is 200 bucks. Shit. So, you know, the lawn tickets used to be 10 bucks, 15 bucks. there. I don't even know if the lawn's open, probably, but he said the cheapest ticket is 200 bucks. Well,
0: that makes like, a lot of sense because a lot of people are talking about when things get back to normal and, and concerts are being announced for the summer and hopefully they'll go on. But a lot of people don't understand the business side of it where, uh, you know, it's great to put these shows back on and get back on, but there's so much people to pay and there's so many hands in that, in that, uh, that thing that, uh, you know, economically... Someone's got to pay for it, you know what I mean? Like, and these these added things that are going to have to happen naturally, you know, as things start to come back, they're going to be extra cost to the fans. They're going to be extra cost to the bands. It's 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 kind of a big mess, even to get it started as early as this summer. That's why I say with hesitation, maybe it'll happen. Like, but when you get everyone wants it to happen. Don't get me wrong. I I'm dying here. I want to get the fuck back out there. But when you talk about the logistics and the reality of it, there's so many fucking things to consider. And I, I know that the average fan, not no no, knock on them, don't understand that. And why would they? But it's just, it's kind of hard to explain those kind of things.
1: Right. But think about it, like a band that would sell 17,000 tickets there, if it's at 50% capacity by the summer. Mm-hmm. Right now, in New Jersey is 35%. So if it's at 50, that's 8,500 tickets. If they're used to selling $17,000, they got to pay their crew, the trucks, everything else. they got to raise the ticket price because they can only sell half the place. Absolutely. Most bands aren't going to come just to play in front of 3,000 people when they could have played in front of 17.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people don't, they, you know, they 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 see the ticket price and they go, oh, that's going straight to the band. You know, in Avenged Sevenfold alone, like, we have three buses full of crew members that were, like, it's not, it's, you know, there's a certain yeah. level. When you get to a level, it's like, you're literally in charge of other people's livelihood. And I don't think a lot of people can, and I don't, I don't expect them to understand that. And it's not that it's just like, sometimes I want to say like, you know, it's not like you're giving Johnny Christ fucking 200 bucks in his pocket. There's a lot of shit that goes, that goes before that happens, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I know. Um, I don't know. You know, I did, like as a comic, it's easier for us than, than a band because we could just show up. It's just one person showing up all soon. There's a microphone. We don't have to bring a crew with us. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easier for me to go out and do some, some dates, you know, most of the places, you know, Florida's wide open. So I, you know, I haven't been down there, you know, I'm doing some dates in April, uh, you know, um, you know, I'm a little hesitant, but I, I, I gotta get back out there at some time. Hopefully I'll have the vaccine by then. It'll be a little safer. And if I got it, then I'll, I'll feel comfortable.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, it's all about, you know, as, as things start to get back to normal, everyone's comfortability, right? I mean, everyone like, seems to like choose these sides, like so black and white over the issue. And it's just so silly to me. I'm just like, it's everyone's comfortability. Like if you're comfortable doing something like, yeah, maybe you're being a little selfish, but that's not for me to say. Like that's
1: right. Like all I you know, like I won't do meet and greets or, you know, merchandise after mm-hmm. the show. Cause then it's like drunk people you know, yelling on your face, no mask. So it's like, okay, well I'll get show up. I could go on stage, do it. And then just go backstage and yeah. that's it. So you you know you just know okay I could do that stuff yeah but then you're on a plane and you sit next to somebody but it doesn't seem like it's spreading on a plane because I'm sure the media would you know would love to report that 17 people on a Delta flight got coronavirus going to L.A. <laughs> they <laughs> I'm would I'm love sure to joke would. on that you know what I mean they 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 would pounce on that in a second you know my, what
0: the you know the biggest travesty of of this to me and this is kind of a joke but uh, I'll say it anyway being on a plane like my my tour manager is like hey. Uh, do you ever want to be on a plane again if they don't serve alcohol? And I literally responded, "Fuck no!" <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah. no way in hell I'm getting on a fucking a vessel that's flying that high in the sky without a fucking without some kind of drink. There's just no yeah, fucking I know. way.
1: They're not um, they're not. Yeah, they, I know. Uh, United stopped doing that. I think all the airlines did. Yeah, they long.
0: did. Yeah, a couple of my buddies were that have flown and stuff are like saying like, "Oh yeah, you just bring on the little the little thing and you just drop your mask and shoot it real quick." I'm like. That, that defeats the purpose to me. I like to have a drink and relax on the plane.
1: Like, exactly. The you don't want to sit and You don't know want a person next to you is going to, you know, say he had his mask down because he's drinking a little uh, airplane bottle of booze. Yeah.
0: I mean, I you did know. that the first time we went to, to England ever. There was like a really sweet, really oh. sweet French stewardess. We fell in love with her. She was so nice to us. And she literally brought me like a bag of those little Jack Daniels things by the end of the flight. Really? Like it was just us. And like. Right, I end mean, me and me and Jimmy the Rev were just like when we landed I don't even know how the fuck we got through customs. It was amazing <laughs> right. but uh, speaking of booze though, uh, I, I, I gotta ask you what, what is your favorite drink uh, of choice? are you a beer wine whiskey guy uh, any any of those things or or maybe you don't like to drink I don't know
1: No I like to drink um, I pick my spots when I drink. Because I know, I I, that's why I never lived in New York City. Because I knew I'd be an alcoholic.
0: (laughs) Manhattan man, uh, those bars don't close till four thirty in the morning. I love that. Four thirty in the morning,
1: you get in a cab or a subway. You don't have to get behind a wheel. I knew to live in Jersey outside New York City, so that I can only have one or two beers at most. Because I had to drive home. Yeah, that's my sanity. Even on the road, it's like all about the show for me. So I'll, you know, I might pick a night to drink or something like that. But I never went crazy with. I always liked the nice little buzz. So I could talk to girls. That was always my theory. <laughs> I need a little buzz on. They get some balls to go up to a girl and start talking to her.
0: Yeah, but then, like, and you don't want to, like, slobber all over either. You don't want to uh-huh. be on the other side. There's, you pick that fine line.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't like to get drunk where I just pass out. So to me, yeah. that's no fun. Yeah. I don't know. I just never candy. Did, but, uh,
0: you, What, are you saying you've never done that, though?
1: No, I have. I've <laughs> had that. <I've> my- <laughs> but it's just like, just to wake up the next day feeling like, shit, I drank beer. So I went to see this Black Sabbath tribute band last week. Awesome, it was the first band I saw since March. And Where um, was this
0: at? Like what? What venue was it? Was, was in
1: it? Jersey. They had like an outdoor patio. It was freezing.
0: Jesus, yeah, it's gotta be fucking cold as shit. I'm in it was Southern California, like 40 but It
1: degrees out. But you know, you just friggin' put on some extra clothes and stuff. But they played, and they were on. Un- they were amazing. Rad. I mean, but um, and I drank beer, and I had a friggin' headache the next day. I had like five or six beers. Well, what kind of
0: beers were you drinking?
1: Just I don't know, like Coronas, whatever the fuck they had there, you know. But uh, I, I I drink vodka now. I'll go with vodka.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that that's the clean one. Vodka sodas, you know, a little bit less of a hangover.
1: I, I yeah, I, feel so I, I stick, usually stick with that. But then when you're in a bar, they give you like a little cup of it. It's just not, like at a concert. Yeah, I can't I can't drink a vodka soda because it's a little plastic cup. Like this. You get a big Coors Light. Yeah. You
0: Totally, and you're you don't want to have to keep going back to the fucking bar and waiting in that. You line don't want that time.
1: either. That so either. Um, yeah, usually vodka soda. I'll I'll do. Uh, you know, I said you know I was friends with Vinny, Vinny, uh, Paul, and Dimebag. Oh, yeah,
0: I never and met Dime. Dime. I was I'm good, I was good friends with with Vinny. I, I loved how Dime. fucking
1: great was Vinny. He's a fucking bass man. One of the nicest guys in the business. Such Both a, of them, Dimebag too. You got you any know, good
0: and, dime bag stories And I might have cut uh, you off the, there. You're about to go into the Crown into Royal.
1: The Crown Royal, like I would fucking drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, Vinny and Dime loves comedy. They always come to comedy. When they had a night off in any town, they'd go to a local comedy club. Yeah. So they came to see me in Dallas. This is like the damage plan days, you know, after Pantera broke up and they were out. So that's when I, 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 start, I you know, yeah. started hanging with them and I'd go to shows. I went on tour with them for like five days. So I'll never forget we're backstage in like Philly or whatever. And um, I knew I got if you're going to drink with Dimebag, do not have any alcohol whatsoever before you see him because you're (laughs) going to be he's going to give you 10 drinks in an hour and you got to drink them.
0: You don't want to like give give a little pre couple of beers like you need to go talk to someone. You're like, he's going to get you there anyway.
1: He's gonna get. I would. I would be at the. I'd be at the. Um. At the sand. I'd be at the. Um. Buying popcorn. Buy sandwiches. Just bread in my stomach. Just patting. Patting my stomach. Waiting to drink with dime bag. <laughs> Having like three pretzels. I'm like I. am I'm, I'm ready. And as much bread and soak that booze up. So we go backstage. He, they just finished. He goes. He goes here. Here's a shot of Jager. Drink it. I drink it. He goes. Come on. You got to catch up. Here's another one. He gives me five shots of Jager within like two and a half minutes. I
0: just got like a little shudder right now. Just thinking about. Five bro, yeah.
1: <laughs> so and I'm, like, and I'm like, I, I could feel it already. I'm like, I'm going to puke. He, nobody does five shots in a row. That shit. So then he goes, all right, here's one more. There's one more shot. I go, you drink it." No, you drink it. You got to catch up. So I'm like, I'm holding the shot. I go, I, I'm going to fucking puke. So he starts talking to some record rep or whatever like that. And he's talking to him over there. And I'm like, and I pulled like a high school move. I stuck it behind like a speaker. You no, know, the full shot. I didn't yeah. want to drink. And then he then he looks over like a minute later. He goes, "Where's that shot?" I go, "I drank it." He goes, "No, you didn't." I "Yeah, I did." Oh, he you sniffed you out. it out. Yeah, and I go, "I drank it." He goes, "Where, where?" And he starts looking around the room for the shot, like a maniac, like the guy's talking about some business, you know, yeah. about the next problem. He doesn't even give a shit. He's just wondering what I did with that shot. And he finally he finds it behind a speaker. Goes, "Look at this! You didn't drink it." He, goes, <laughs> what? he called me out, and I go. I just go, um, I go, I didn't want to drink alone. And he didn't even miss a beat. He goes, George Starogood drinks alone. I go, oh,
0: yeah. one bourbon, one shot, one beer.
1: Not even one.
0: <laughs> one scotch, one beer, beat. sorry.
1: <laughs> I you know, I go, no, I didn't want to drink alone. George Starogood don't drink alone. I'm like, all right, you're right. And I, I drank that one. I wound up <laughs> passing out of my car on the street in Philadelphia, puking. <laughs> I didn't even come home that night. My girlfriend thought I cheated on her. She's like, you were out all night. You didn't even call. I couldn't drive home.
0: You're like, even if I had, I wouldn't remember it.
1: It's like you're in your 3rd <laughs> You be doing this anymore. You're sleeping in your car. There's puke all over. You got to go, I know, I know. But I hung out with Dimebag and Vinny.
0: Yeah. I think anyone who knew anything would know that. <laughs> know what that
1: there's meant. There's another time. I guess they were some band was open in form. I forget, some newer band was, was going to go on the road with Damage Plan. They were the first band on. Mm-hmm. And they got in town the night before, the first night of the tour. And the singer's like, hey, man, I hear your legendary drink, and I want to have a drinking contest with you. He goes, I could drink just as much as you. And Dime's like, okay, oh, it's yeah. on. That's a terrible idea. Within an hour and a half, the guy's puking. And he, and he was gone. He was missing. He was a singer in the band. And Dimebag's looking for him the whole night. They went to a strip club. They come back. He's, he where's that motherfucker? He's going on the bus. He can't find him. He's mad. Because the guy just disappeared after like an hour and a half. And Dime, you know, had like seven or eight. He's like, come on, where are you? Yeah. He's looking in the parking lot. He finds him in a car next to, to tour buses, passed out in the front seat. Out cold. So Dimebag gets a shot of Jägermeister off the bus, opens the door, opens the guy's mouth, and pours another shot down his <laughs>
0: <laughs> Of course. That's what you do. I thought I thought we were gonna have a contest, motherfucker. I love so yeah. I love those dime stories. I've heard a few of them. I mean, especially from Vinny. As I said, I never had the pleasure of meeting Dime. Rest in peace. And of course, Vinny rest in peace now too. But like uh hanging with Vinny, I think I got a little glimpse of some of that. Like we did, we did a lot of hell yeah tours together and uh, hanging out at, at, at his strip club in Dallas and, and uh, oh. a few others that, you know, when we're just out on the road and, and the just barbecues just they'd
1: have after, right? They'd, yeah. Just such and a the f- fireworks.
0: Oh, the fucking fireworks. So good. <laughs> it, it, like, dude, everything was just a fucking party, man. He was like, it, you wake up to sober up real quick and then go fucking play some drums and then get right back to party. And it was just, it was you know, and and also very intelligent. I don't. I don't mean to say all that to be like, oh, that's all. That's all it was. It was there was a lot of intelligence behind behind that head. That was, you know, that was all there, and just such a good, just a good human being. You know, that no, was awesome. great because
1: they used to have on their rider on their bus a case of Pedialyte. Yeah, so I remember. Boss with dime bag everybody drink their pedialyte before you go to bed he'd make you drink it in front of you like you were taking medication no it's it's
0: it's, it's brilliant uh the rev before his passing him him and vinny were were becoming real tight and we had fucking pedialyte on the rider after that like we would have it like you know those those drawers underneath the the the, the couches and the buses and stuff those yeah. drawers you pull out full of fucking pedialyte like pedialyte. like that's that's life changing shit right there.
1: <laughs> and then when I saw Vinny you know, a few years back, he he switched to pickle juice. He goes, "No, pickle juice is even better."
0: I don't. I, I wasn't there for that one. I don't remember the yeah. pickle juice thing.
1: <laughs> pickle juice is even better than that. It's better. Forget the PD light. Pickle juice is even better. I'm like, okay, pickle juice it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whatever it is, let's go for it.
1: <laughs> but it was just it was so much fun. Like after the show, they would kick ass. Hell yeah. Vinny a monster on drums. And then they would have a barbecue out back. Yep. Vinny be grilling. They'd be shooting fireworks off and cranking like old Van Halen. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. I'm like, this is the best.
0: Dude. So for, for my life in Avenged in my life touring, there was two experiences like that. One was with like Vinny and then like doing warp tours with all the punk rock bands. That's how the punk rock world was living like all the time. And in between there that we did like some tours with some metal bands and stuff. And it was very different until again, we hung out with Vinny and hell yeah. It was like, Oh my God, there are metalheads that still want to do this kind of fucking fun shit. Like, like <laughs> that's, I just want to have fun. Like that's, you know, that's, that's what it, that's what you strive for. It's what I did yeah. when I picked up the bass when I was 12 years old and spent countless hours. Like it was like in my head, like one day I'm just going to be able to have fun with this shit.
1: You know? Yeah. It's especially, look, you do your an hour and a half on stage, whatever it is. But then afterwards, you, you know, you got to wind down a little. You know, so have a little fun before you go to bed or whatever, because it's grueling, you know, being on the road and being on the tour bus and all that's that amazing. shit. You know what I mean? So any way you can find fun, whatever you can do, you know, is great. And that's those guys always made it fun after the shows. Yeah.
0: And and as you said, it's part of like a lot of people. Going, oh, how do you not go to bed till four o'clock in the morning? Well, fuck, I got off stage at fucking twelve takes me the energy rush takes a second to go down, you know, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, you got that adrenaline when I do shows, I don't go to bed till like two in the morning, yeah, if I, I don't was do gonna shows,
0: ask, I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna ask, like how is that in the comedy world like when you're i mean you're on right, like when you're on stage, and especially like you're not running, not necessarily running through the motions with a song or something like that you're you're waiting for a heckler you're 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 speaking you're, you're you know your brain's got to be on fire at this time, so What's that like? You know, what what is your routine afterward? I know we could hear about the routines a million times before. What's the routine afterward?
1: The routine is afterwards, you know, you've got a, a huge adrenaline rush. You just can't go home and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like you're still wired from the show. So it takes a while, you know, so it's a big adjustment. You know, when I was off to, for comedy, you know, for like four months or in the beginning of the pandemic, and then finally I started going and doing some like outdoor shows I, it was weird because I couldn't get to bed till like one or 2. I was used to going to bed at 10.30. I never did that in 25 years. Yeah. to bed at 10.30, get up at 7.30, but that's what I would... And then all of a sudden, I'm doing show. Like, I'm going to do a show tonight. I'll probably be up till 2 in the morning. Last night, I didn't do one. I went to bed at 10, you know, like 11.
0: But I know so, it's a pandemic, and you, you're saying you're going to be up till like 2. I'll be up, too, so if you want to FaceTime me and you need someone to talk to, I'll, I'll be there okay, for you, yeah. buddy.
1: You know Sam Tripoli, the comic from L.A.?
0: Uh, I, I'm not. I, I've heard the name. I'm not. I've never met him. Or I'm okay, because he's a comedy store regular.
1: He puts those shows on there a lot. He's in town in Jersey. Oh, cool. So we're gonna, I'm gonna go check him out tonight. You know, and uh, go hang with him. I haven't seen him in a while.
0: Oh, that's he, awesome. Dude.
1: But um, yeah. So, but yeah, it does take me a while. Look, when you're on stage for me, I'm almost like Peyton Manning at the line. Like you know, you're looking at the defense. You're pointing over here. Okay, this shit joke didn't work. Maybe I'm, this shit's too edgy, too early. I got to win them over for a little bit. Let me move this over here. Let me move this section back over here because it might be, they might be a little more rowdy or so let me do some rowdy material up front to get them on my side. Yeah. So you're always thinking when you're up there, which I love doing because I, I know I can't mail it in.
0: You got to be cognizant of, of everything going on. Like you just said, the quarterback in it. Last question there though, uh, you, you brought up football. So I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling about your Jets this off season? No,
1: I'm a Miami fan. <laughs>
0: I'm Jersey a Miami fan, of course. Yeah. Definitely-
1: <laughs> I told my kid growing up when he was growing up, I said, listen, you can root for any team you want. Okay, I'll I'll go to the games with you, I'll sit and watch the games The only team, the professional sports team you cannot root for is the Jets. Because you're have a life of misery and you're gonna blame it on me. And I won't sit there and watch Jet games. <laughs>
0: You're one of you're one of the smart ones, man. You're one of the smart ones.
1: <laughs> Went to a divisional them.
0: rivalry and just said, "Nah, fuck it. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna do the Jets."
1: All my friends like Jets and Mets fans, and they're just miserable. They they you know
0: for decades.
1: Pick a, pick a better team. So he likes Miami too. I, when I was a kid, my uncle lived down in Florida, and he would send me all stuff and shit in the mail. Yeah. He's just, just he, was trying
0: he was trying to help you out, man. He was just trying to help you out.
1: He was, and thank God, because if I were to game a Jet fan, forget it. I would have been miserable. But uh, <laughs> so I'm a huge football fan. I love watching the NFL.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, it, right. it, I'm so glad they were able to finish the season and we got a Super Bowl this year. That, that was, was great. Was, I mean, they, you know, like they had a
1: little bumps in the road. They had to play a couple. Of, I like the Monday at, like, 5 o'clock games. Probably, well, it was, like, 2 o'clock your time. but. I yeah. love those doubleheaders on Monday. They had a game on Tuesday. I loved it. No,
0: I mean, we're all sitting at home. You know, like they were they were doing their best to keep us entertained, and I, I
1: really appreciate what they, what they were doing. Yeah, and I didn't really see. miss the fans not being in the stadium.
0: Yeah, a lot of people complain, like, oh, they're going to put, like, crowd noise in. I'm like, what the fuck do you think they should do? Do you want to watch it yeah. completely, like... It Come can't be that dry.
1: Some of them were, the crowd noise was a little too loud. I'm like, who's fucking working that? Yeah. They got to turn that down. I got it. was an incomplete pass. And it's like, you just, well, that was
0: the DJ in you coming out. You're like, I I, 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 I can know. mix this better.
1: I know. The mix was bad. It was like, it was like the St. Anger mix. It was bad.
0: Oh, shit.
1: I, but, but you anyway, had to on bring the that own, up. On the <laughs> only, I think Everett defended that album. The shit I took on that metal show. I still think it's a good album. It's a, I, I loved it. I love that record, man. It's, it's so underrated.
0: And the only thing really is that snare drum. I, I mean, I, I...
1: And you get used to it. You know what I mean? At first you like, like,
0: After you get used to it, and if you appreciate it for what it is, you kind of go like, all right, I could see why they would do that. Because they were trying something different. You know, that's, that's the great thing about Metallica and becoming friends with them over the years. Like, they're, they're never afraid, which is what makes them fucking
1: awesome in a
0: lot of ways. Look,
1: you guys do the same thing with your albums. Thank you. you guys do the same. And I like that. You know, I'm a big Black Sabbath fan. You listen to those records. Well, every one is different.
0: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, though, real quick, Jim. Um, there's there's certain bands that have been able to keep the same sound or the same formula for decades now and be successful. I look at them and I'm like, damn, I don't know how you did that. Because that is, I think that is almost more incredible than what we do which is right in the moment and everything like that like of course we write in the moment and that's what we want to do but when you look at someone who has this longevity of doing the same thing over and over and continue to get new fans on top of it it's that's something different that to me that is something very unique like there's uniqueness in what we do but to me that is like as when you look at it as a career there's something very
1: unique about that without a doubt, like, you know, three bands come to mind to me. ACDC, Motorhead, and Slayer.
0: Those are the ones. That, those, those are exactly. the ones that's
1: amazing. Like, even a new ACDC record, the one they put out in November, it's, it's great stuff on there. Dude, like, when
0: you crazy. listen back to I was listening to it on the golf course. I was, I was golfing, like, my buddy was like, oh, did you hear the new ACDC record? I was like, I didn't even know the fuck it was out. So I played it while I was on the golf course, and I was like, shit, man, it's ACDC. I'm fucking stoked. <laughs>
1: You can never go wrong with yeah, putting them
0: on. Yeah, they'll never let you down. Yeah.
1: Like any song could be on any album, pretty much. Yeah, you can interchange every song on every album.
0: In, in know, a lot, it of, in a lot of respects. I mean, I'm sure when 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 they sit down and write, like it might be a little different to them here and there, but like just to us listeners, it's it's very much it's it's just who they are, and it's just so yeah. cool to like as a listener, it's just so cool to like hear some of the like those three bands just do it over over and over in a in a new way but like it's still it's just their dna and that's when you know yeah. no one's faking the funk like it's just their fucking dna and that's that's so rad to see it's super unique
1: i love stuff like that and i love bands that take chances and put different records out like you know and the metallic fans always went crazy i mean they they were mad at them from ride the lightning
0: yeah, dude, they've you know been mad I mean, at them album. with every album. I don't think there has been an album when they've released that they ha- like, that their fan base hasn't been mad about. Like, I just, I don't they
1: think I've ever seen it. Because they went to a big label, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, the-
0: Speaking of Master of Puppets, 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 yeah, when was the first, going back to, like, what came out March 3rd in 1986, the Master of Puppets record, where were you when you first heard oh. that record?
1: Well, I have a history with Metallica, which is insane. So I grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey. So that's where Megaforce Records was. That was a mm. that was the label that signed Metallica. Their first two records came out. This guy Johnny Z had a uh had a flea market had a record shop with all imports records. I was 16, 17 at the time. Every Friday night me and my friends would go down there with our money and buy records. We'd play in the we just hang out at the store. We had nothing else going on. And he's like this Metallica no left life to leather cassette. The original oh, cassette. Oh
0: shit. I'm
1: he goes I'm going to manage this band's going to be huge. They're going to come, I'm bringing them to East coast. They're going to do some shows. They're going to record their debut album here. I'm going to sign this band. They're going to be big. And when I remember listening to that cassette, I'm like, damn, this shit is fucking out there. It's fucking heavy. And he brought them to like old bridge, our town. And they would play at the skating rink down the street, this little shitty bar. They were just hanging around. I actually took them to the mall one time because they, they were saying at the, the guy, Johnny Z's house. He just had a baby. And they were drinking all their booze. They a Lars <laughs> just drank our fucking champagne that we had from our wedding night that we were saving. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they were like 22 years old or 20 and they were sleeping on their floor. And they go, They Lars, just drank our. Lars was
0: just like the fucking best. I love fucking Lars. He's yeah.
1: So <laughs> they go, Can you just get him out of the house? I remember taking him to the mall, walking around. You know what I mean? Just hanging with them. I'm like, All right, I'll just, I'll babysit him for a while. I've probably seen him six or seven times in these little clubs before even Kill 'em All was out. As a kid, it was amazing. Yeah. So I followed the career, and the Master of Puppets sent I me mean, just a complete masterpiece. That's their, dude, you know.
0: when that when that thing hit, it was out. just like, it was everything. You know, I, 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 as you said, like, oh, they sold out. They went to a major label. Like, damn it, dude, they got a fucking great sound, and they made fucking great songs on that. Like, I mean, the Ride of the Lightning's a great record, too, but, you, you know, the, the production value from Ride to Master was just such an upgrade. It was just like... Oh, you could hear everything now. This is fucking rad. You hear Cliff going insane. Like this is, this is what a metal record supposed to sound like. And that was the staple for so long, like to me, like I, I don't know if that's how everyone felt in the eighties. But to me, when I heard Master of Puppets, I was like, this is the staple. This is what metal is supposed to sound like.
1: Absolutely. And you know, that never got any radio airplay either. The only t- Metallica didn't get played on the radio until a uh, one off the uh, Justice yeah. for All record. Dude, that music video
0: was insane though. Like the Johnny got his gun, fucking such a great fucking concept.
1: I know, and they never they never got played on the radio. They were huge, but no one. And then when one came out, then they started playing them, and then they started playing their old stuff. And then every radio station around the country had mandatory Metallica. Mandatory
0: right. Metallica was a fucking that was can see it was it was a fucking it was it was everything out here like oh, every yeah, every
1: radio station around the country. All of a sudden they could play Master of Puppets, anything off an of air, Ride the Lightning, Kill 'em All. All of a sudden, Metallica was okay to be played on the radio, but it didn't happen until that one video. I remember that.
0: That's insane. That's insane. It took that mandatory long because when Metallica, you listen, I yeah, mean, now everyone Puppets uses Master of Puppets in their in their movies now. Like if there's a moment yeah. to play Master of Puppets like Master, Master, it'll just show up in a even in an old music. school
1: when it didn't even make sense.
0: Exactly. I was thinking that one. I'm glad you pointed it out. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Everyone can check yeah. out uh Everybody Is Awful um is your podcast. How how often are you putting that out now?
1: I put it Monday and Thursday two podcasts. It's on Barstool Sports, but wherever you get podcasts.
0: Wherever you get podcasts, Barstool Sports. I gotta talk to you. Aside on that because I'm, I'm, you know, congratulations on, on getting on Barstool Sports. They're they're doing their thing right now, which is fantastic. Um, everyone, go check out more Jim Florentine. You've you've heard the name. You know who he is. He's everywhere. He's on Twitter at Mr. Jim Florentine. IG just Jim Florentine and yep. everything else. Uh, podcasting. You know, catch him all the time on Ozzy's Boneyard. Had such a blast talking to you, man. And uh, I can't wait till we can hang in person and maybe share a beer.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Cheers. That'll just about do it for this week's episode of drinks with Johnny. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks to Jim Florentine for being on the show, becoming a friend. So much fun. We had like an extra, I don't know, about 30 minutes of content that we continue to record and just chat uh that will probably be released a little bit later so if you're interested in that make sure you head over to drinkswithjohnny.com sign up for the newsletter right there i'll probably be leaking when we're gonna uh release all that stuff and how so uh if you want to support the show head over to drinkswithjohnny.com uh follow us on all the social medias and keep up to date with what we are doing so much more great content coming soon and I really appreciate it guys because I'm having so much fun with this my team's having a lot of fun with this this is a passion project that we're getting to do together so I really appreciate all of you listeners and until next week, cheers hey, this is Scott from Flying the Call each week I speak to a different musician
1: whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or the Wonder Years or band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel or Meet Me at the Altar we discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians
0: of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports, and me, being a chef, and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the world. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.